In your Bibles this evening, Genesis chapter number 3, Genesis chapter number 3, and I want to read to you the majority of this chapter, and our, but our message tonight is one verse, and uh, I want you to know the context and see it fit into its proper place. Genesis chapter number 3, God has created in chapter 2 the uh, Garden of Eden, man and woman, Adam and Eve, and in chapter number 3 we'll find and see the fall of man. The Bible says in chapter 3 of the book of Genesis, verse number 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam, and said unto him, where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that I was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles, shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. We come to this passage of Scripture and we watch the terrible thing that happens to Adam and Eve as they 
disobey God and sin. Sin enters the human race and death enters the human race through sin. And what a tragic thing. There's so many things we could talk about in this passage of Scripture. A few things that kind of jump off the page. The first thing that the devil does when he wants to lead God's people astray is he questions God's word. And the first thing out of Satan's mouth is, Yea, hath God said. He questions God's word. Folks, I'm so thankful we have a reliable place to go to for the word of God. We have God's word, the Bible, we hold in our hands. and We should honor God's word. We should believe God's word. We should trust God's word. We should study God's word. Thank God for his word. He questions God's word. Another thing that jumps off the page to me is the human nature to blame other people. When Adam is asked of the Lord, uh, why did you hide yourself? Why are you, do you know that you're naked? And did you eat of the tree that I told you not to? And the first thing that Adam says in verse 12, he says, the woman. Not only does he blame the woman, he blames God. He says, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. He blamed his wife, he blamed God. And I'll just tell you, we're really bad about blaming people. I like to make jokes about that verse, but uh, it's really no laughing matter, uh, the condition that we've allowed ourselves to get into. Uh, Our culture is absolutely sold out to the blame game. And Christian people are very guilty of blaming anyone and everybody for their own problems. Uh, we should get to the place where we own up and take responsibility for anything and the things that we can take responsibility for. And uh, when we start blaming folks, Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed God, the serpent, and all the while each individual has a need to repent of their own sin and trust the Lord. Then we look at the curse in the Garden of Eden. The curse of the garden, and that's where I want to go tonight, and I have a brief, I'm scared to say that, brief message, uh, but something I hope will help you. I want you to look with me at the curse on the ground. The Bible says in verse number 17, Unto Adam he said, God, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Now the Bible says, cursed is the ground. Cursed is the ground. And the byproduct, and one thing that God chose... In Adam's life, after his fall, was to curse the ground. I remember when I was just a little boy, I was helping my grandfather, Dick Sturgill, down at the car wash one day. And uh, we were, we were weed-eating and mowing and spraying weeds and uh, working down there. And I, I'll never forget it. We were working together, and uh, there were thistles coming up around the curbs. And uh, my grandfather looked at me. He says, you know whose fault this is? You know whose fault this is? 
And I said, no, sir, I don't. He said, it's Adam's fault. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. He's not being very nice. My uncle Adam ran the place. And I thought, wow, he's not being very nice to Adam, is he? Uh, But that's not what he meant at all. I said, really? He said, yeah, it's Adam's fault. And I said, really? He said, yeah. If Adam hadn't sinned in the Garden of Eden, we wouldn't be dealing with these thistles and thorns. And I said, oh, I get it. I get it. Uh, the Bible says something very interesting, though. Cursed is the ground. And then it says these three little words. For thy sake. For thy sake. Now, I think about the curse on the ground. And the first thing I want to think about is, it's God in anger punishing mankind. But I want you to know that's not how it worked. And that's not what it was. God in love, and for the sake of Adam, for the good of Adam, for the purpose, for an eternal purpose in Adam's life, the Bible says God cursed the ground. Why? Because Adam is a low-down, good-for-nothing, dirty, rotten, egg-sucking dog. No. God cursed the ground for Adam's sake. And there's such a wonderful truth that we can learn from this little phrase, this little passage of Scripture. Curse is the ground for thy sake. Tonight's message is titled this, The Gift of Thorns. The Gift of Thorns. Now, the Gift of Thorns. I remember as a child, uh, my mom, before she executed punishment on me that I deserved... I remember saying something that as a child seemed ridiculous. You'll never guess what she said. This hurts me worse than hurts you. (laughs) I'm like, well, let's trade places. Uh, (laughs) Let's trade places and see how you feel about it, you know. Uh, This hurts me worse than hurts you. And I I remember on numerous occasions uh, when the... uh, Board of Education was applied to the seat of knowledge in my life. And I know that it was something that was hard for my mother to do. You know, you don't want to, uh, you don't want to punish your children. Uh, if you do, you've got something wrong with you. We don't want to punish our children, but we must. And why must we? Because they need to learn. They've got to understand and they've got to associate uh, some pain with doing the wrong thing and sinning some consequences with doing the wrong thing. And God cursed the ground, but God did not curse the ground because he was angry at Adam. He cursed the ground because he knew that Adam needed to be corrected and Adam needed to be reminded and constantly reminded of Adam's need for God. You see, in an Eden-like situation, when everything was going great, God knew something about fallen humanity. When everything's going great, we tend to trust in us. But God in love, along life's path, allows trouble, allows the thorns to grow, Allows the sweat, the toil. Why? Because he likes to hurt his people. No. Because he wants to constantly remind us that we need God. We need God. We need God. When we look at this passage of Scripture, and we look at 
this little phrase, cursed is the ground for thy sake. May God remind us of a few things. Number one, I want you to know this. These thorns are for us and our good. These thorns are for our good. For thy sake. The thorns were for our sake. God is faithful. God allows things to come in our lives. And God doesn't save us from every discomfort. Why? Because he knows we need to know that we need him. For thy sake. I don't understand all the purposes of God. Nor do you. But I will know this. And I do know this. That God is working Things together for good. God is a God of great purpose. And God is a God of perfect understanding. And we can love him. And the thorns we deal with in our lives, we can thank him for it. You see, these thorns are for our good. These thorns are for our good. They're for our benefit. And God would use the thorns in the ground. And it would, take, it would have to be God to understand so perfectly what he could do that seems seemingly insignificant to be something that would remind people how much they need God forever. The thorns, the thistles, the toil. God drives us to himself. These thorns are for our good. Will you look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11? 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. We look in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 and we meet up with the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, on numerous occasions in his epistles, he writes and tells us about glorying in infirmities. He was, a, he was notorious for telling us that he was happy and he got to the place where he was thankful for trouble. How many of you the last time something bad, really bad happened to you? Like, man, this is awesome. Thank you, Lord. This is great. How many of you, uh, you're riding down the road, you can imagine it like this, you're riding down the road and you see smoke off in the horizon and it becomes clear the closer you get that there's a house on fire and when you get close enough to see that it's your neighbor's house and not your own, you say, oh, praise the Lord, uh, it was not my house. Uh, or you get close and it is your house. You're like, oh, wow, praise the Lord, it's my house and not my neighbor's. You know, we've got this, we have this nature that we want to avoid all trouble if, it, if at all possible. But Paul had gotten to the place in his Christian life where he wasn't praying that God would send him problems and trouble, but he got into the place where he began to glory in infirmities. It wasn't like he was sadistic or sick. Some people like to look at the Apostle Paul who are critical and wrong and say he was twisted in his thinking. He got to the place where he, he liked pain like a cutter or something, which is the furthest from the truth. The, the truth is he had lived his life and lived for the Lord long enough to know that when trouble came down the pike, that it was God was going to use that trouble, even though it may have been rooted in sin, it had been rooted in wickedness, even though it had come along and it was, it was, it was grueling and brutal. He learned that the trouble in his life had, was something that God would always faithfully use as a catalyst in order to make him better, to give him strength, to further the gospel and the ministry that God had given him. And the Bible shows us some things in 2 Corinthians in verse number 30. Look what the Bible says. Chapter number 11, 2 Corinthians, verse number 30. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 30. The Bible says, If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. 
He got the place where he was glorying in his infirmities. The Bible says in verse number 5 of chapter 12, look down there just a little bit further. He says, of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. <laughs> He's like, man, I am messed up. I'm uh, infirmed, he says, and I praise God for it. The Bible says, verse number 6, he says, for though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You know what the Apostle Paul said? He says, I'm just going to testify to the fact that God gifts us thorns and troubles he said he said i've got a thorn in my flesh and it's fascinating to me and i remember years ago justin preached uh here at the church when we were young and he preached on this passage of scripture and when he preached on this passage of scripture he made it very plain he said he said there's no indication in the bible what paul's thorn in the flesh was there's lots of speculation, and you'll hear the speculations. They go, from, they go from one extreme to the further other extreme, but there's no indication what his thorn was. And Justin, I remember, he said to the congregation of our church, he said, he said, and that's on purpose, because God wanted us to be able to identify with the Apostle Paul. And we have thorns, and they vary. We have besetting sins that are different. We have troubles that are various and in various forms. But the troubles, the thorns in our lives are things that God has intended to use to bring glory to, our, to him and to help us to stay in tune with him. And so Paul said, I found out something. I have to just embrace the fact that I'm weak and acknowledge the fact that God is strong, and that's a better option anyway. It's good. And God says to Adam and Eve in his word, and to Adam he says, I've cursed the ground for your sake. And the apostle Paul, he said, I had a thorn in the flesh, something that kept me humble, that kept me grounded, that kept my eyes fixed on Jesus and the sufficiency of Christ. He says, I've learned to glory in my infirmities. You see, these thorns are from the Lord. And these thorns are for our good. Oh, it's important to know. I read the story. I love it. There was a little lady. She was poor and actually hungry. She had a, a great need for food. And she lived in a home and the windows were open. And there were little boys out on the street. Little mean little snot-nosed boys out on the street. And... The woman had got to the place where she was desperate for some food. And she was praying. She prayed to the Lord and she prayed audibly to the Lord. Lord, would you please send me some food? You know what need I have. 
Those mean little boys overheard her prayer, and they said, <laughs> we'll show her. They went and got her some food, put it on her doorstep, pounded on the door and ran and hid until she opened the door and saw the food and out on her doorstep began to praise the Lord. And the, one of the little boys jumped out of the bushes and said to her, ha, God didn't send you that food. God didn't give you that food. We brought it. The little lady said, hmm, the devil may have delivered it, but God sent it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And we know that God is faithful. Look in your Bibles in the book of Romans for just a minute. Romans chapter number 8. I just quoted Romans eight twenty-eight, But in Romans chapter number 8, there's so much help. Now, it's hard when we're going through difficult times to embrace the truths of Romans 8. But we should. God is working things together for good. The Bible says in verse number 35 of Romans 8, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? How many of y'all look forward to things like tribulation and distress? Persecution. Matter of fact, sometimes we think, I think about the word persecution. Sometimes we worry so much about the possibility of coming persecution that often paralyzes us from being effective, bold witnesses for the Lord. Stop all that mess. We ought to be afraid of that. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. Verse 36, as it is written. For thy sake are we, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yeah, there's trouble. Can any of these things separate us from the love of Christ? No, verse 37, nay. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I love verse 37. How hopeful is it? How hopeful? Now look, you've got a thorn. You've got to remember something. God gives us thorns for our good. You got a burden that you're bearing. You got a, a fear, a fret, an infirmity. The Bible says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. First of all, we're conquerors. I love that. We're conquerors. I'm thankful that God gives us victory. He gives us victory. But God says it's not just victory from the trouble, victory from the burden that God promises and He's going to give us. He says, I'm, you are more than a conqueror. Not only do, do we have the promise of victory over so many things in our lives, and certainly victory for all of eternity, we have the promise of more than conquerors. We're conquerors, but in the midst of conquering, we end up with more. How many of you have ever been through great trials? You've dealt with big thorns, and the byproduct of Dealing with big thorns and God giving the victory is something more than you could have ever imagined. God's helped you. God's prepared you. God's used the trouble for his glory. Oh, it works every time. We're more than conquerors through him. I just want you to know the gift of thorns. These thorns are for our good. The second thing I want you to remember is this. These thorns are against the wisdom of this world. Don't fall into the trap that says, if everything's not going your way, if everything's not going your way, 
Surely it's because God isn't really a God of love. Or there's no God at all. How could a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? Uh, the truth is there's no good people. The Bible says there's none that doeth good. But in spite of the fact that we're not good, we're not righteous, apart from being saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, which makes us righteous, it's an awesome thing. We don't deserve the benefits and blessings of God, but we get them. And he's good to us. But as Christian people, we've got to think way beyond the days of our lives. You see, God didn't intend for us to live here on earth forever. How many of you have a yearning for eternity? Isn't it sweet how God puts that in our hearts? Now look, the older I get, the more I anticipate in eternity and heaven and glory. I really do. But I know for a fact that God has something that's so much sweeter and so much better in store for us all. All of eternity. God's faithful. You see, the world says, my lands, if things on earth aren't going perfect, then surely God is not love. And God says, that's not true. I've prepared all of eternity for you. I am good. God gives us the gift of thorns. Why? So we remember that we need him. So we set our affections on things above, not on things of the earth. God allows thorns in our lives so that we stay humble and in love with him. As we stay humble and in love with God, the grace of God gives us the strength we need to face the battles that life will bring. And it gives us the promise and the hope of God's perfection in eternity and glory forever. Oh, it's good. You see... Cursed is the ground for thy sake. And I wonder if maybe today you've just allowed the trouble of the moment to turn your affection away from the love and purpose and goodness of God. Maybe you've come to the place where you just hate, you feel like God's always punishing you. Let me tell you, the troubles that we face, they're not intended to harm us. They're intended to help us, to direct us, to humble us to the place where we know we need God. Isn't it true? When everything's going great, we depend on us. But God in love along the way sends a thorn. And it's a gift. Curse is the ground for thy sake. And may God help us to thank him for the thorns. And trust him in the midst of the trouble. You'll always find him faithful. He looked at Adam and he says, Cursed is the ground for thy sake. I'm so thankful. For that's how the Lord works in all of our hearts. We can glory in infirmities. Why? Because anything that drives us to Jesus is good. Let's pray.